Welcome to Nomad Yarners, the yarn truck podcast. We're Erica and Dave, a husband and wife mobile yarn shop owners, bringing you tales from the road, adventures in fiber arts with a little bit of the rest of life thrown in. This is episode 105, recorded the week of May 22nd, 2020. Today's episode, ex- today's segments include extended what you're working on and nothing else. Sit back, get comfy, and enjoy the show. I'll do a promo bit at the end, you know, just... To sell stuff. To sell stuff. So we can pay our light bill. Um, so, Dave, why don't we go back and forth? Why don't you tell me one thing you've been working on, and then I'll go. Okay, that sounds like a plan. Lovely. Okay, well, first of all, I have finished a long-term project. Um, do we get a fanfare? <laughs> um, it's actually sitting in front of us on the table, so I can take some photos as the kids are not here today. Um, so way back when, uh, before all the craziness started, you will remember me talking about, I was planning to take some time off to go to Adepticon, um, and I was working on a personal project in my miniatures painting studio. Well, I have just finished it last night. Um, so it's sitting here on the table looking very, I don't know, I'm pretty pleased. It looks really cool. So if you're, if you are just starting off joining us, Dave also, in addition to doing all of the hand dyeing for the shop, um, also paints miniature models. Um, I call them fighty fighties. They're basically like two inch tall men, like board game piece kind of things. Um, he's a commission painter for other people and then he paints and plays um, himself as well. So Adepticon, the big like convention was canceled because of COVID. Um, if you're listening to this in the distant future, um, that is what we're talking about um, when we say the craziness. Um, <laughs> And oh, the bread's done. Um, Dave can talk to you about the model. Like, the, the, the noise of bread finishing in the background. We've also been making sourdough. Um, so we always find plenty of things to do. Well, uh, way back in, in the before times, um, I was planning to go to Adepticon uh, to go and take a little while off, a couple of days to go and play um, the game that I play, which is called Horace Heresy, um, with a bunch of uh, a bunch of friends from around the country at the convention. Well, I just finished the army I was planning to do for that. Uh, obviously, things got in the way with us having to change the way that we were running our Nomad Yarns and uh, some changes with my painting business and having the kids home all the time with no daycare. But it's done. It's finally finished two months late, um, but I'm very pleased with it. Um, I, um, I used some materials um, I got from Recraft. Um, they got their first mention today. Um, as well as an IKEA table. Um, and um, some modeling clay and some cake columns. I built myself a little kind of collapsed uh, classical looking arena. Um, and then uh, that has um, kind of crash columns and, and rubble and all kinds of things on it. Um, I painted that with spray paints and inks using my airbrush, um, added some kind of gothic battley details like um, some fallen statues and some kind of bleach bones and things like that. Um, and then uh, the models uh, have been waiting for me to kind of finish that off. And I just did my final step last night, which is an oil weathering. Um, so the majority of painting that I do is with acrylic paints, um, which acrylic paints are basically a, a paint suspended in um, a polymer medium. It's basically plastic. Um, but those are uh, water soluble. Um, they produce a super tough surface. They're great for gaming. It's what people will often paint miniatures with. They're also really easy to work with because they're water soluble and you can kind of adjust them um, with various different things. Um, but the step that I did last night is an oil paint weathering. Um, when you're working with different mediums, and this is something to think about, um, whatever kind of artwork you do, um, there you can achieve different effects with different mediums. So the great thing about oil paints is they stay wet for a long time. Um, so what you can do with them over the top of, uh, say, an acrylic base layer um, is you can get some really cool kind of blending and uh, weathering effects. So what we do in miniature paintings to try and make things look more realistic uh, is to give them a weathered appearance which is my kind of favorite thing to do is to make them look like um, they're not just uh, small toys but they're actually large-scale things that have been shrunk down if that makes sense yeah his stuff looks really realistic and it's hard he talks a lot about what he does to make it so it doesn't look like cartoony like two inch tall men like when you look at them up close they look like they could be full-sized like human-sized 
Um, so there's, there's lots of like shadows and craziness. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of uh, things with building um, highlights and um, light directions and things like paint chipping. Um, the the last step was the oil weathering, just because it goes on top of everything else. Um, but the the oils move um, when you add mineral spillers to them, which allows you to do some really cool things. So you can put, say, a drop of burnt sienna um, or burnt umber, depending on exactly which tone you want onto a like an armor panel and then you can drip uh, mineral spirits onto it and what it will do is actually pull some of the pigment out and make it streak down the model so it will make it look like a rust streak um, you can do the same thing by adding in um, some lamp black um, or ivory black uh, classic oil paint colors um, into some mineral spirits to uh, form washes um, you can do similar things with kind of dust colors that you blend up and then you can run those in between panels um, of various uh, like armor panels or uh, panels on vehicles or across um, metal pieces. And what that will do is it will shade the recesses and make it look like grime has, has gathered there. Um, so that's always my favorite part. It adds a, it's a lot of realism to the pieces. Um, I also did a lot of work on making everything look super dynamic for this one. Um, the whole force is kind of running forward out the ruins. So I'm very pleased. It's finally finished. It's probably the most work I've ever put into a single army. Um, I put a lot of work into making this uh, basically the the best thing that I could for my personal collection. I'm very, very pleased with it. It does look very impressive. And it's on, uh, what is it, like a two-foot square Yeah, it's board. Like 22 inches square board, and the entire thing is basically covered up with, with bases of, of guys running forward. And there's, uh, like, up in the air, big, I don't know, they look like Star Wars spaceship sort of thingies. Yeah, they're they're, they're on sticks. Dock. They're pods, so they yeah. like they're spaceships that crash into things. They're um, cool. Send good. people out. So yeah, I'm really pleased with it. So Erica, what's the first thing you've been working on? Sourdough bread? Sure. Well, you just have to go get it from the oven. Okay, I will talk about my sourdough bread making. Well, my just general bread making um, as I left for a bit while Dave was talking to go get it out of the oven. It cooked beautifully, um, even though it looked a bit of a mess going in. So I'm pleased. Uh, we always have bread dough in our fridge. Uh, we do, especially in the summertime, we do a lot of pizzas. We do a lot of flatbreads. Um, we traditionally use the artisan bread in five minutes a day. We've talked about it loads. They don't like sponsor us. We just, we perpetually have, um, a, a container of this in our, like the dough in our fridge. And then you just break off a piece and bake it when you want bread. Um, and, uh, so we have continued to do that like we always do. Um, but what was in our fridge or what was in the oven that I just pulled out um, was that recipe, the same way we always do it. Um, but Dave and I have been watching um, a Netflix show called Nadia's Time to Eat. It's a it's basically it was the woman who won the Great British Bake Off a couple of seasons ago. Her name was Nadia. Um, and so she has her own show now. Um and Dave and I have been watching it. She did a really cool bread where she basically, she rolled out bread dough. She spread like an olive tamponade on it. She rolled it up um, like a sausage. Um, and then you cut that roll in half and then you twist it around itself to make a circle. Um, and as you twist it, like the inside part that was filled, it becomes on the outside because you cut it open and are now like wrapping the two halves around each other, um, into a circle. And so it makes this, it's, she called it a crown. Um, like it looks like, like a crown. Um, and I really wanted to do it, but I had none of the ingredients and I didn't follow her recipe. Um, so mine didn't. <laughs> it's the Erica way. Yes. Um, this is what we call Erica style. So it. I wasn't sure it was going to work. Um, we only had like four olives in our house. Um, we were down to the end of the jar of olives and- It's an emergency set help. <laughs> it's true, we do need a lot of olives. Um, so I couldn't make an olive tamponade. And to be honest, I don't even know what's in an olive tamponade. I think she put olives in there's, it. There's one less end than you were saying it was. Tapenade. Tapenade? Uh -huh. I thought there was an extra, okay. Um, and so I didn't look up how she did it. I didn't remember it from the TV show, but I thought I have four olives. That's clearly not enough to make this whole, um, uh, like the amount that I need. So we had um, red pepper chunks frozen in the freezer because I was at the grocery store and on the like, oops, we bought too many shelf from the grocery store. There was like 20 bags of bell peppers and I bought them, I don't know, months ago. We do um, a lot of shopping from the uh, end of 
end of line strike we bought too many shelves yeah um, we like to reduce food waste and we're cheap. So it fulfills both of those. <laughs> um, uh, so anyways, I had red bell pepper chunks in the freezer. So I put frozen red bell pepper chunks in the blender along with the four olives that we had and some olive juice to make it liquidy enough to blend um, and blended it. And I went out to our herb garden, which has like, it's a real thing. We like things are growing. It feels like magic. Um, we've Maybe done that should be on uh, things that we've done. Yeah, it will be. Um, don't you worry. I have so many things. We can go back and forth until you run out of things. Cause I have a lot of things. <laughs> we do um, a lot of these things together. So let's see yeah. how many of mine you steal. Okay. Um, and it's been like three weeks since we recorded a podcast because life. Um, we'll find out about that in the, in the next yeah. one I've been working on. Um, so I made my red pepper olive tamponade. I don't have, I tamponade. I don't know what the, what it's supposed to have in it, but I've had frozen red pepper chunks and olives, um, in the blender. And then I spread it out on there. Well, mine had way more liquid in it than hers did. Um, it, what, like it seemed firm. I had to scoop it out of the blender with a spoon. It didn't pour out like juice. Um, but when I like put it on and I spread it out and then I rolled it up and it was all going very well. Um, and I cut it down the middle, uh, the way that she did. And I started like twisting it around and I made it kind of sort of look right. And I was feeling pretty good about myself. And then the middle of the circle that I made of bread filled up with goo, (laughs) filled up with red pepper, Olive tamponade and juice going maybe, everywhere. Was it maybe more firm because it was it was frozen. frozen. Uh-huh. It's very possible. <laughs> That's how ice works. <laughs> Tom <Tongue> physics. <laughs> Anyway, um, so I covered it and let it rise and it filled up with even more goo and I almost put it in the bin, but I'm like, nope, this is what we're having for dinner because the kids are at my parents' house. So I don't care if it's not poisonous, I'll eat it. Um, So I'm baking it. Um, And I did. And I, so I, I scooped, like I used a spoon to try to drain the middle. Um, And I got, I don't know, three tablespoons of, of red pepper leakage out of the center. And I put it in the oven at four, 120 degrees i did look that up um all of these recipes for her stuff are on the internet i don't know why i didn't look it up first um before i made it i made it and then i looked up the recipe um it's the erica white i completely lost (laughs) so I baked it and it just beeped and it looks good. It looks delicious. It really does. And it smells good and I'm pretty pleased. So Dave and I are having bread for dinner. Um, We'll have some some like fruit and cheese and it'll be great. No olives. Yeah, because we ate all the olives. Send olives. Um, So that's my... Oh, and we just got a sourdough starter from a friend of mine locally. Um, I've been doing a lot of like porch drop-offs and pickups. It's been fun. Um, we are in a group uh, locally in Plainfield called the Buy Nothing Project. Uh, I think Plainfield. that should be your save it. That should be another one of what you're doing. Um, okay. So this friend of mine um, put out on Facebook that she had extra starter. Let her know if you wanted some. And so she dropped some off for us. Um, and I fed it and it bubbled and it was all lovely and great. Um, and I have not yet made sourdough bread from it, but I have made crumpets from the discard. Because the thing about sourdough starter is you end up with lots of extra sourdough starter. Um, so I followed the King Arthur's bread flour recipe for crumpets um and i made crumpets this morning and they were amazing and it was truly less than 10 minutes so they were were really good i request those again yes i made four because that's how much starter discard i had and i ate three of them and i told i sent dave a message that uh said it proves that i love you because i left you one so, Dave, what's the next thing you've been working on? Well, if you listen to the podcast, congratulations, you solved my riddle. <laughs> uh, so you may have noticed the podcast uh, stream has moved. Um, that is because we have done a website upgrade. So um, our hosting for our old website was coming to an end. We've been using uh, Weebly, which um, is now owned by Square, who run all of our um, checkout systems. And we've had our online store hosted with Weebly for a while. Um 
So what we've decided to do is upgrade our entire website, move everything to Weebly in one place, and that will give us lots more um, cool kind of integrations onto our website and our podcast and all kinds of stuff. Um, so what you'll find now is the podcast is still in the same place if you're searching for it, nomadyarnshop.com slash podcast. Um, store.nomadyarnshop.com does still work to go to our main web store, but also if you just type in nomadyarnshop.com uh, from the main web page, that will take you there too a lot quicker without any redirects. Um, and we are all set up. So uh, what you'll find in the next uh, few weeks, it won't be for this one because I still want to show how to work it and run out some um, some things. Uh, but the next uh, time we send out a newsletter after that will be coming from our um, Square account rather than our Mailchimp account. What that will allow us to do is link back uh, some stuff into um, our Weebly store, which will allow us to set up uh, specials that are newsletter exclusive and all kinds of cool things that we couldn't really easily do before. Um, so I'm excited about the new website. It gives us lots more functionality. Um, the podcast now goes through less steps for us to publish it, so it should be uh, far faster for us to get it out once it's recorded. Um, so there'll be lots of cool things coming your way. Um, if you are um, using iTunes as your um, podcast software, you would definitely got this. Um, if you were using another podcatcher um, and you haven't, um, it's taken you a little while. Sometimes they take a while to update from the from the iTunes um, store, and sometimes they um, you may need to research for us. So if you've researched for us, thank you. <laughs> we appreciate you coming back. Um, and we really appreciate you being here. So that was that was a lot of headaches for me. Um, mostly Erica's blank looks at me when I was describing what the trouble was. Um, yes. I don't believe in duplicating services. He was doing all the effort. I didn't need to do it too. <laughs> um, so I'm the I'm the technology troubleshooter around here for the vast majority of things. Um, so there were lots of uh, lots of time of me feeling very stressed. Uh, that our entire website wasn't working. But we're now up and running. That's the biggest reason why there hasn't been a podcast for two weeks is because we were waiting for services to migrate over and things to be set up properly. So you can hear us again. Uh, we didn't want to be shouting into the dark. So Erica, what have you been working on again? I am going to talk about the garden because I'm. that's the thing that I'm most excited about. Okay, I want full credit for that, for that horse trough. You get full credit for the whole <laughs> We have done a crazy amount in our yard this year. We have a very large yard. We have three acres. Probably one acre of it is wooded. Um, and there's a lot of shade. There's a lot of hills. Um, we put in an orchard when we bought the place five, six years ago. Um, and some soft fruit trees. I, we're not... I don't know quite how to say... I don't know quite how to describe our lawn maintenance style. We don't care about lawns at all. We don't like mowing, but we quite like yard work. Um, so we, when we were at the shop um, where we had like a, a quarter of an acre, like a traditional, very small yard, we dug out all the grass. We had no grass. We only had vegetable beds where we grew food and like the drought tolerant perennial beds in the front where we also grew food. We had a lot of sage bushes and lavender bushes in the front. Um, we can't do that with three acres. That's too big. Um, even crazy me thinks that that's too big. Um, but we have been, um, very motivated this year to, uh, put in some food vegetable garden. Um, we had none at our house because it was all at the shop. Um, but when we sold, sold the shop property and moved out right at a year ago, um, we had such a crazy summer last summer being out on the truck, the yarn truck for the very first time that we just we put in one raised bed. We bought a raised bed kit on the internet and we set it up and we had tomatoes. Um, I've grown tomatoes every year since I became an adult. Um, I wouldn't know what to do with myself if I wasn't growing tomatoes in the summer. But um, we didn't do anything else. It was a very small garden compared to what both of us have been used to in the past. Very small, like six by four. Yeah. Um, Instead of 60 by 40. Yeah. But we had a two-year-old and a one-year-old and a brand new business and three acres to take care of and it, all things. 
Um, so this year, my main stress relief with all the COVID craziness has been to dig giant holes in our yard. So my stress relief has been digging garden beds. Um, and so we put in three long, like 24 foot long, um, three foot wide beds and that should have been it. And then I got excited and I dug, a I don't know, 40 foot long by six foot wide bed all down the side of the whole, the vegetables and the orchard. We have six. Which should have been enough. Yeah. We had, we have 16 fruit trees. We have five rows of fruit. We have grapes and raspberries and blackberries and blueberries, four rows of fruit bushes. Um, and that should have been enough. And I promised Dave that that would be enough. And I then put in a bed, a giant bed by our back door that has 300 strawberry plants in it and gooseberries and jostberries and horseradish and and all kinds of things. And then I put in a bed. Our driveway is long and it's full sun on the edge of it. And when we moved in six years ago, I planted Russian sage bushes along the curve of the driveway because I had this vision of like a stately home with these beautiful purple like flower spikes as you drove up the driveway. But I planted them in the grass and I didn't ever do anything else. Like they were never mulched, they were never watered, they were never pruned, they were never anything. You couldn't mow because there were sage bushes in the way. Who couldn't mow because there were sage bushes in the way? I did most of the mowing until I got pregnant. Um, And then I was pregnant for 47 years um, with our two children. Anyway, um, and so I've now been digging out around the sage bushes and building beds around the sage bushes. Trying a new style of garden bed to me. I've never even heard of it before. It's called a hugel culture. Um, and she did say that right as well. I did. Um, you dig the turf out, and I just made a pile of it beside the bed that I was digging and everything is big. Our yard is big and I am a go big or go home kind of person. So this is, there's 10 sage bushes. They're planted 10 feet, six feet apart. So it's 60 feet long by, I don't know, four feet wide. Um, It's big. Um, So I dig all the turf out, make it in a big pile. And then you pile brush and logs in the like hole in the ground that you just dug um, as much as you can get. And then you put the turf that you just dug out upside down, like dirt side up um, on top of it. And then you put a bunch of mulch on top of that. Um, And it's supposed to be this magical unicorn bed that you never need to water because the wood as it breaks down soaks it up like a sponge. You don't need to weed because there's really no soil under there. So weeds can't grow. Um, It's like self-fertilizing as the wood breaks down over the years. It releases more nutrients and the plants are happy. It's supposed to be wonderful. So we'll see. Um, I'm trying it. I'm six sage bushes into the tent. The plants that we put in there look pretty good because we uh, put some transplants in and some new... um, some new things as well. Yeah, my <laughs> parents were clearing out some coreopsis, which also happens to be a dye plant that you can dye yarn with. We have done that in the past. It makes bright yellow. It's very cheerful. Like yellow yeah, yellow orange. orange. Yeah. Um, my parents were digging some of that. My parents have very extensive gardens. Theirs are all ornamental gardens. Um, so they had a bunch of coreopsis. They have giant beds. So they had just garbage bags if full of If you came to visit us at the... Um, at uh, the brick and mortar when it was still there, all of those front gardens that we planted, um, the, most of those plants came from Len and Greg, um, and they have easily like ten times the space we had in the front yard there planted with with flowers. So, yeah. um, so that's, that will be back. We will have a big ornamental flower garden again. Yep. Um, drought tolerant perennials. I can't be bothered to spend time on anything that I can't eat. Um, and even things I can eat. Um, so there's there's the Russian sages that have been there for six years. There's the new Coryopsis, which is all lived and it's looking green and happy. It's been in the ground for, I don't know, a couple weeks now. Um, there is already, I shop the like dollar plant table that every plant nursery has. Um, there were a lot of them this year at the big box stores. I've not made any special trips to any plant stores and it's killed me because I really, really like doing that. Um, but if I'm going to Walmart anyways for our like once a month shop, um, I will start in the outside garden bit. Um, I feel fairly confident wearing a mask being outside, um, shopping in the garden center part. Um, and so I will go to the back where there's the clearance table and there's a lot on the clearance table. Um, 
um, there's a really late freak frost here and it frost damaged a bunch of plants so then they look bad and then they mark them way down um, so I bought some uh, Dianthus Dianthus um, Dave really likes them they're pretty they're perennial uh, some varieties not all of them most most varieties are perennial in this zone um, you'll see um, a lot of Dianthus sold in the annuals section in flats but if you actually read the information on them they are perennial in zone 6 where we are um, so yeah go and grab a bunch of uh, Dianthus they're very pretty um, but they're super cheap because they grow in annuals Yep. Um, but they are drought tolerant. I don't water anything. The day I plant it, I will water it, and that's it. I will not water it again. Um, <laughs> Dave occasionally waters vegetables. I don't do that. There's, there's a theme in our relationship where Erica goes and starts crazy things, and then I help her finish them. Um, so, so I've been working out in the garden a lot, too. There's the Russian, Russian sages in the middle. There's the Coreopsis closer to the driveway. There's the Dianthus closer to the lawn. And then Poppy and I, that's our four and a half year old, um, went and planted mammoth sunflowers that get up to 12 feet tall along the edge where the bed meets the, the lawn. Um, so if those sprout and grow, um, there are going to be like 100 12 foot tall sunflowers along there too, which I think if they really do do that, I think it could be wonderful. But our vegetable garden is looking good. There's lettuce and beans and peas and corn and eggplants and onions and dinosaur broccoli and all the things, millions of things, carrots. And that's not all. Cucumbers, <laughs> watermelons. Um, so after we set up all of those vegetable beds, um, we have an old horse trough um, from when the house was a farm. Um, our house was built in 1870. It's old. Um, so yeah, it used to be a small holding. It was originally built as a as a farmhouse. Um, so we um, decided to do something with that horse trough finally after being here for six years. Um, so I filled up the bottom bottom with a bunch of rubble we found in our garden. Uh, filled the next kind of two feet up with mulch, which will um, rot down and produce some real. A good um, compost eventually and then topped it off with some of our compost delivery um, and we planted a full um, herb bed there um, so we're now able to get fresh herbs we did go out and get some um, herb starts rather than all doing from seed um, and that has been producing already poppy is absolutely obsessed with it she loves the she loves to go and eat the plants in the garden so especially mint which is really convenient as mint seems tends to be super invasive well, but every time we go outside she wants to go to the herb garden and, and uh, stuff her face full of herbs um, so she's over there just grazing on basil and mint, <laughs> um, big handfuls of chives um, so yeah there's something very bizarre about your young child like coming up to snuggle you with really like chivey onion garlic bread <laughs> it's an interesting life experience um but next to that was my uh next pet project which was mushrooms um erica was looking through some things and said oh you can you can get outside mushroom spores like sold we're gonna do mushrooms so uh, i took one of our giant piles of mulch um so we got giant piles of mulch by asking a local tree service when they were cutting down um, some trees near us uh, to just dump it in our yard. Um, if you see a tree service nearby cutting stuff and you live nearby and would like free um, untreated mulch, um, they will normally come and drop it for you for free. Um, it costs them to go and deliver it and it costs some time if they have to go and drive um, to a, a place that they have to dump it. So there's often a dump fee, it costs some time, um, it makes them uh, less efficient because their business money. Um, so they will come and happily give you mulch for free I know there's an app called uh, Chip Drop that you can get, which uh, will help connect you to places in your area. Or if you just look for a super local tree services and ask them when uh, they're in your area to give you a call, um, normally you will get a load or two of mulch over a season. This will not be the ornamental mulch that you buy at the store. It doesn't look like that. It's not going to act like that. This untreated um just chopped wood um there will be some big sticks in it but it's fantastic if you want to do um garden beds it's great if you want to pile it up on top of compost to add some brown matter to your compost um, and help it kind of rot down and be used over several years um it's great for a property like ours which has a lot of woods um it's on a kind of an old style uh, kind of farm meadow rather than the true lawn um, and it really, we have a lot of those kind of natural rustic materials anyway. Um, so it's absolutely perfect for us. Um, if you're in the middle of a, a subdivision with an HOA, it's probably not uh, for you necessarily, unless it's in your backyard. Um, but, well, and yeah, I we think once you spread it, I think it's fine. 
fine if you yeah, do and you pull can the big off as something else pull um, the big sticks out as you're as you're going and i mean but big it doesn't sticks, look like not like branches like twigs it doesn't look like cypress uh bark mulch though <laughs> you just, I've lost different. my perspective on what normal people do. <laughs> just we not sure I ever had a great sense of that. I, whatever I used to have. Well, time. anyway, we had a bunch of mulch and we had a bunch of logs from a big tree that was cut down. Um, so what I did was uh, rolled a, a huge number of logs um, around uh, to form. I know they were big logs. So like, oh yeah, like two, two foot across. Yeah, um, two foot across at least. Like sections of a tree. And, and, three foot tall like these are big giant they were incredible you could you physically couldn't lift them up even dave and i together yeah, we put them on a dolly them. i had to put them on a dolly or roll them um we rolled them over um got them on a place to form a big oval and then filled that with a huge pile of the mulch um so it's got about 10 or 12 inches of mulch in there at least um, at least i i would say 18 we, inches we then planted um wine cap spores um, so we got them from Northern Spore. Um, there's several companies around that um, provide uh, mushroom spores. Um, and it was like $15 for the bag. It was $20. 20 bucks a blue shipping, yeah, somewhere it, around there. It wasn't very much. Um, but that's to inoculate 50 square feet, uh, which was the size of the, the bed that we made, about uh, like nine by six feet or something, nine by five feet or something like that. It's the, the size bed we, we made. Um, yeah, super, super easy. Um, once we've made the bed, um, you just sprinkle it with the inoculated sawdust, basically, um, which we got in a five pound bag. Um, and then it topped it up with another inch or two of mulch and watered it in. And then hopefully that should give us a perennial mushroom bed. Um, yep. The, the website tons and, tons of wine gaps. and the two YouTube videos that I watched about it showed that as long as you keep dumping a couple inches worth of mulch on top of it, which you want to do anyways because it's going to break down. The mulch is going to break down over time. So to keep it at the same level every year, you need to add a couple inches. Um, if you do that, this will produce mushrooms till you don't add mulch anymore. So the mushrooms need food. Um, so you have to keep putting more mulch on top. Um, but apparently the wine caps are the easiest ones to do outside. They're really low maintenance. They'll tolerate a fair amount of sun. So you, these are, these are in definitely partial shade, but I would say close to it's fairly, shade. Fairly um, shade. It gets some sun during the, during the year, but they're, they're good for kind of edges of forest. These ones are apparently really good for parts as well. So if you have a, and also just putting in the mulch on your edible beds, um, so if you have an edible garden that is mulched and you have mulched parts, um, you can sprinkle the um, inoculated sawdust on the parts and then they will come up in your parts. Um, the great thing about wine caps is they don't really look like anything else that grows in the U.S. Um, that can be toxic. Um, so they're very, very easy to spot. They're a very um, white shaft with a kind of burgundy wine-colored cap. Um, and, and if you put them on a white piece of paper, the like little spores that fall out of them are black on the white paper. So apparently they're easy to tell because you never want, even if you inoculate an area, you never want to just eat all the mushrooms that come out of there. You want to make sure that you know exactly what you're eating and that they're safe because eating poisonous mushrooms can be a really big deal and you could die. So don't do that. Um. <laughs> yeah, I say that. Um, so yeah, I'm super excited to have mushrooms. Uh, the other crazy garden thing that I've done, um, I might have lost my mind a little bit with this one. I was carried along with, with the area tide. Um, so um, I was pining for, uh, for flowers. I really love um, spring flower bulbs. Um, oh, I forgot that you'd even done this. And it's been my, um, what we've been doing over several years is, again, shopping the, like, reduced racks right at the end of the season, buying up um, small numbers of flower bulbs to add to what we had on the on the land. Like it. tulips and daylilies. Um, so, yeah, not tulips, tulips and, daffodils. and daffodils and crocuses. Um, we really love those. They, they uh, come out throughout the whole spring and into the summer and really give some color. Well, I've been adding them slowly and slowly and slowly. And I was like, well, I wonder if there's a wholesaler for these um, that we could just get them from. Well, I found a website, and I actually found a couple, but we we got these from Dutch Grown, and we've not actually received them yet. Um, they ship in the fall. When they you're ship in the fall when them. you're meant to plant them, um, and you can pre-order your bulbs now. So if you um, if you do find a site that you want to get these from, often they'll provide a discount if you're ordering them early. 
Um, I bought uh, somewhere between five and six hundred flower bulbs. <laughs> um, so, I'm so proud. My so, particular breed of crazy has rubbed off. So you'll hear about these in the fall. It's actually really good value if you buy the wholesale lots of our, about a hundred bulbs each. Um, it works out about twenty cents a bulb. So we um, I spent about a hundred bucks um, on bulbs, and we will have. Um, <clears throat> Sorry, that wasn't me about to, to do a whole list. Um, but we'll have some um, some uh, Spanish bluebells. We'll have allium. Uh, we will have tulips. Um, we will have miniature tulips. We'll have miniature daffodils. We'll have regular daffodils. And we'll have crocuses. Um, and hyacinth. And hyacinths all coming uh, through in the fall um, in a giant box. So I'm very excited about that. Um, and... Let's see how I'm excited in November when I realize I have to plant over 500 bulbs. We did say we would share some with my parents, um, who also have a big bed or a big flowers. But my mom always says she's over it by fall, and so they've never planned. They don't ever have. They don't, they've never had bulbs. So I'm just going to show up with a big thing of bulbs and say, "Oh well, if you won't plant them, we will," because I've run out of space. Um. Oh, don't you fear? I have <laughs> plans. So, Eric, what's the next thing you've been working on? Um, weaving. I've been doing some weaving. I don't think we've done a podcast episode since Mother's Day. Um, we've not. My, uh, we've not. I'm like, you've clearly done something you think is funny. Yeah, <laughs> um, my, what I asked Dave for, for my Mother's Day present, um, was to have a day to spend with my mom to help her set up her, um, she has a, she has a four harness floor loom. It's big, like the size of a kitchen table um, kind of thing. Um, and she she got it from a friend of a friend whose mom wove and then she didn't weave and she wanted it to go to a good home and all this stuff. So she's had it. It's been in her basement for you know, six months, a year. Um, but my mom's not a weaver. She's never woven a thing in her life. Um, never seen a floor loom. Um, and neither have I. Um, I've seen them. I've been uh, twice now to the north side um, cabbie tree weaving um, is a weaving shop in the Fishers area. Um, it's a great shop. I really like the owner there. Uh, we were there for Roving Indiana and then once before that as well. Um, so I have seen a multi-harness floor loom, um, but I've never woven at one. I've never set one up. I've never done any of those those kind of things. I have a rigid heddle, like a 30-inch wide rigid heddle, like a tabletop um, loom that I've only woven like two or three things on ever. Um, but I, what I asked Dave for for Mother's Day was to watch the babies so that I could go and spend the whole day with my mom to set the loom up, to warp it, to figure out how to like build it because it was all in pieces um, and um, and do all of that. So that is what I got. Um, he also got me a book about fermenting weird things because he knows me very well um, and because I sent him a link to the book that I wanted. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm gonna take a hint. Um, I've never done that before. We don't normally do gifts. We normally do the like I'd like a data set a loom up with my mom um, style gift. Uh, but I really enjoyed reading this book as well. Um, that will be the next thing. You did send me links to several things like good Mother's Day present question mark. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I uh, spent the day with my mom setting this up and we're weaving, we're weaving now. Um, it was, it was great. Um, That's I, fine, I had to go too. He did. Um, I am not good at reading directions ahead of time. I'm not good at following the rules. I'm not good at, at any of those things. Um, it's just not my strength. It's not a thing I'm interested in doing. So I didn't do any of that. Um, I know how to warp my rigid heddle loom. Um, I've done it. I think I've done it four times. I've done it a few times. Um, and I flipped through a book. My mom, a couple of, of weaving books came with this thing for my mom, um, with, with the loom. Um, and so I flipped through, uh, those just, I saw two or three pictures of it and I said, okay, we can do this. And we did. Um, it probably took two or three hours to warp a, well, to set it up. My parents had mostly built it. There was a few things that neither of my parents have ever seen a loom, don't know how to do any of that stuff. So they'd mostly put it together, but there were a couple things that needed to be switched around. Um, and like the foot pedals attached and, and all of that kind of stuff. 
So we um, we finished getting the loom set up um, and warped it. Um, just a very basic with the four heddles, like a string. The first string goes through the first. I did know all the terms for the parts of the loom and I've forgotten them. Um, what is it? I was only half listening. Okay. Um, Dave is busy thinking about the next thing he's going to talk about. Basically, the most basic way that you can can warp a, a rigid heddle. So you've got four shafts, four ways to make things go up and down. Um, you put string number one through the hole on the first, the first hole in the first shaft, string two through the first hole in the second shaft, etc. And then so you have one, two, three, four, and then the fifth string goes through the first hole on the second hole on the first shaft again. So one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Um, to do just a basic weave, there's something like 90 variations that you can do, like different patterns, um, warping it that way. And then if you warp it other ways, um, you can do an infinite number of different um, patterns in your weaving. Um, so I warped it. It's only, I don't know, five inches across, four inches across. It's not very wide um, and it's maybe eight foot of warp on there. Um, so it felt like it took me a long time to warp a fairly small amount, um, but I'd never done it before. So I wanted to start small. That seemed sensible. Um, and so I did. And then we are kind of weaving like it's if it's four inches wide, we're, we're kind of weaving like a four inch section with one pattern and then switching to a different pattern and doing a four inch section of the next pattern. So like little squares, like a sampler scarf. Um, and I say we, the theory was my mom and I were going to do this together. <laughs> Turns out my mom is not a weaver. She continues to not be a weaver and she doesn't have a whole lot of interest. Um, so I set it up and we, I thinking I would get it set up for her and then it would be something that she and I, she could do. And then I could do, I could come over and use it every once in a while when I wanted to. Well, it turns out I'm the only one who ever weaves. It's our long-term plan. We've, we've become minimalist in our house, but we're just going to set up, um, their house with all the things we want. I'm going to go and plant bulbs in their yard. Yard. Eric is going to uh, <laughs> weave in their basement. We'll slowly take it over. Yep. Um, <laughs> so I had a lot of fun with that, and it got me re-motivated. I have had my rigid head of loom warped, and I have had a weaving project on that for like six months and just hadn't done it. Um, so every every night or every, every couple of nights, I have been going in to do some weaving on that as well. Um, it was mystery yarn. I think my mom got it for me years ago. It's a viscose of some sort that is the warp. It's a knobbly texture. It's almost like a boucle kind of a texture is the warp and it's multicolored, mostly like purples. The weft, you mean? No, the warp. You warp your loom. Oh, you're the right. strings going long ways. Yes, you did warp it with that. And that yes. And then I'm, I thought you did the other way around. But I'm I am right. weaving like side to side, um, uh, passing my shuttle through with a cotton silk blend, just black yarn um, that I bought on Super Sale. Uh, it was one of those like stash clear outs at a fiber event from last summer, spring. It's a wool gathering, wasn't it? Maybe. It might have been the wool gathering in Yellow Springs, Ohio mm -hmm. um, in the fall last year. Um, so well, five balls of yarn and 20 packs of uh, cheese curds with hot sauce because they were so good. They were really good. <laughs> um, and it was where I met Helena Bristow of Oink Pigments. She was very nice. She's an Indiana yarn dyer. Um, and I brought her cheese curds. Um, uh, <laughs> That was unrelated to anything. Dave, why don't you talk about the next thing you've been doing? No, I'm going to make this the last thing because we're running long. Um, but we talked about picking stuff up at Porsches. Um, so we have got really into our local uh, chapter. And I suggest that if you are into uh, minimalizing and trying to be a bit more eco-conscious like us, you go and look this up. It's called the Buy Nothing Project. Um, you will probably have a chapter where you are. If you don't, it's very easy to set one up, apparently. Um, we already had one here. Um, but the idea is that it is a group of people who just offer stuff up to uh, local people. And it's meant, they're meant to be kind of really local. You are able to just walk down the street or drive a mile or two uh, to go and collect items. Um, and the idea is if there's anything in your house that you do not want um, or um, if there's anything that you are looking for and would rather try and source secondhand to try and um, 
reduce your uh, monetary outlays, but also reduce your carbon footprint, um, you can put it up in the buy nothing group. Um, so we've been using this a lot as we have been doing minimizing um, as we continue to do. Um, we've been especially focusing on our garage um, because when we moved um, out of having the brick and mortar store, and then um, when we've kind of had furniture and the items switch out for the kids, and also when we set up the uh, office, which is in um, the old uh, chicken coop shed, um, which had some items that were left by the previous owners as well as um, some things that we were storing, all of that ended up in the garage. Um, so I've been working through getting um, rid of items from there, um, and really just trying to to finally complete our minimalist goals. We're doing a really good job, actually. Um, we the house are, is we were... very, very close to complete. Um, the garage is nearly how we wanted to. Um, we got a big lot to go and take to um, another uh, business we work with um, soon as a bunch of store displays for her. Um, but biomathing has been great. It's absolutely fantastic for um, finding and getting rid of all kinds of things. So we just had this evening someone come up and pick up some lawn edging from us um, that we pulled up from our yard um, when we expanded all of our beds. It's still perfectly good. It's only been there a year or two. Um, so they come and took those. Um, we've all kinds of odd things that you didn't think people would necessarily um, want on like the, a sale group. Um, the weirdest things are super popular. We had um, raspberry plants escape their bed and I'm like, I don't want to throw them away or like mow over them they're they're very tasty red raspberries um but i don't want any more of them so and i i don't know get six or seven people want uh, raspberry yeah now there's giant divots in our yard um but yeah plants are super popular um people kind of giving away plant starts um or asking for plant starts um kind of odd building materials that you have a little bit left of or you might need just something if you want like a small drywall patch it's the perfect place to ask like i need a quarter of a sheet of drywall to repair a ceiling or something if you had a pipe leak um this is the perfect place to go so you don't end up with those materials kind of left over i need um, we, like three cinder blocks yeah we had someone pick up cinder blocks from us that we had left over from a building project because they were building a set of shelves and ran out um didn't want to go to the store and get more um we had uh we switched out our mailbox for a larger one because we've had more online orders going out so it's easier to have a large mailbox than uh, go to the store uh, go to the post office for uh, small numbers of orders um so we um we switched that out and put the old mailbox up on there it was gone within a day um we got some just starters yeah, we got some cool stuff um we had a razor scooter uh, for the kids um, which was pink. The kids, dis despite our best uh, attempts... We tried so hard. The, the girl child has decided that pink is her favourite colour and the boy child has decided that the bl blue is his favourite colour. And I don't know how this has happened. We tried our very hardest um, to not that, make a big deal. Right. Um, the, our, we tried our very hardest to foster in them making their own decisions about what they liked. They've always been allowed to have whatever preferences they had um, and to not be influenced by what they quote-unquote should like yeah the pink one the girl likes the pink one and the boy likes the blue one so we got a new blue scooter for rowan's and they now each have their own scooter and boy is that uh reduced yeah, the decimal level so of fighting in um so yeah all kinds of things um we have come in and gone out of our house via porch pickup 70 uh glass jars that used to have baby food in them that now live in our house so that i have all kinds of plans for them but we, i haven't actually of, enacted any of the plans we use a lot of glass jars because you know are preserving we buy a lot of things in bulk so having lots of small glass jars is no bad thing 70 was a little bit mad but yeah america doesn't do anything with house yeah i don't um, so yeah, Buy Nothing has been very good. Look up your local chapter. There probably is one in the area. It's a Facebook group. You'll need to answer some questions to join. Um, and they are really designed to be in your town. If you live in a very big town, they'll be via neighborhood. Um, yeah, it's like the by... north side of wherever, the south side yeah. of wherever. Um, so... But ours, Plainfield is small enough. Um, but they're meant to be hyper-local. It's a really lovely thing. It's all, it's supposed to be fostering community. And it has really done that. Like it's, it has really... I've borrowed, and you can also ask to borrow things if you just need something for a little bit. So we hosted the, um, the party for the fourth birthday of party for our daughter and invited everybody for her preschool class but we don't have sippy cups um like we don't own sippy cups so i put it out there on the buy nothing group could i borrow does anybody have a like 20 sippy cups 
um, so that we could have cups for all of the kids. And so I borrowed them and then I, I returned them to her. And then um, later I put up, I had more seedlings that I had started for the garden than I needed. And so she, the, the woman that I borrowed them from, who's less than a mile from our house, um, said, oh, I like, I would, I plan to do some gardening this year. So I like, it's, it's really show, lovely. We've actually, um, those those same people before the shutdowns actually came over and um, yeah we had a play day we had a play day here with the kids and they came and did some crafting um so yeah it's it's good we've we've met some people through it um and um yeah it's been good mm-hmm. we got a fire pit we went and dug out a fire pit from somebody's yard Someone. they bought a they bought a house um and it had a fire pit in the backyard and they didn't want it anymore um so we went and dug out I mean. If you went to buy all of these the stones and and all the things new, this would have been well over a hundred dollars. Oh yeah, um, but good we, fire bricks and um, nice patio papers that they didn't want, and it would have been a hassle for them to get rid of them another way. Um, and they weren't uh, some some of them were damaged and will need replacing and things like that. But um, we wanted to put a fire pit in as something we planned to do over the course of the summer. So. Um, that was a great thing for us to, yeah. to pick up. Now we need to actually do that. Okay, we should be done. We've list. done we've done other things too, but I we're we're You're not gonna take one to last one last chance? To do what? What should I say? I don't know. I mean you talked a lot about the bar nothing thing, so we can call it again. Okay. Oh, fermenting. Dave got me the <laughs> a book called Fiery Ferments. I would highly recommend it. I discovered and it. Hilariously, um in the introduction, um, one of my friends who was actually uh, was who shared an office with me at the University of York, her PhD research, um, which I was sat in the room while she was writing it, um, was <laughs> mentioned in the introduction of this uh, particular book. So. Which we definitely did not know at the time. <laughs> I discovered that this book existed because I've been binge listening to gardening podcasts. My favorite being the Joe Gardner show and his executive producer does, did a show um, called homegrown something. Um, I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, it, she stopped just over a year ago, but I, there's hundreds of back episodes that I'm listening to. And so she interviewed the author of this Fire Ferments book, but it's all about fermenting hot peppers or ginger or horseradish or black pepper, um, anything that has some some oomph to it um, with all kinds of vegetables and I mean just crazy things and with spices and herbs and I'm just I was very excited about it the interview was great I really enjoyed the podcast episode um, and so that was the other thing that Dave got me for um, my for Mother's Day and he ordered it from not Amazon because he knows yeah, me really you, well um, if you would like to uh, buy books online but want to support local booksellers you don't necessarily have their own website so it's hard to find um, I think it was called bookshop.com you can look it up um, and they sell via local bookstores um, it's usually shipped from them um, and uh, a percentage of that profit that is made goes to supporting local bookshops. So especially right now, if you want to buy books but don't want to support a giant corporation or rather support something locally, go to that side to audio books. Yep. Um, so I started fermenting things. We made, I made a hot sauce ferment, um, which was some bell peppers, some dried peppers that we had, a jalapeno that was randomly in the fridge, um, blended it all up, and just you just put it on the counter. I think there was some salt. Salt, yeah, to yeah. brine it. Um, and you set it on the counter for like two weeks before you're allowed to test it, and it ferments just like a, a, a sauerkraut um, would do. Um, and so we're like a weekend, and I'm not allowed to taste it yet. I wrote on the cover, because you have to cover it so like flies don't get in. Um, I wrote on the, we use a coffee filter. Um, because we bought a pack of, like they only come in packs of 200 or something crazy. We bought it, we use them exactly once a year at their knitting retreat um, because they have regular coffee makers there. And so we need coffee filters, but we do not use coffee filters at home. We have a French press. Um, or a cafeteria if you're British um, and so I now use the coffee filters they work perfectly on a mason jar if you put the ring on so you put the you have the jar and then you put the coffee filter over the top and then you screw the ring that you would normally do but without the lid underneath it then your ferment can breathe but the coffee filter keeps up the fruit flies or the ants or whatever um, so you don't get ants in your kitchen um, and so I write 
on the coffee filter the date that I'm allowed to check it for the first time. Um, so it's, it's still a week away from checking it. But the other ferment that I did was um, cauliflower. The butt ends of cauliflower, so when you cut all the florets off of your cauliflower to eat them, um, you're left with this, like, stump. Well, I, like, I grated it. I made it small, um, chopped it into little pieces, and I fermented that in a brine with, like, black peppercorns and chipotle powder um, and other herbs and spices. And that only takes a week, so I, I tasted that today. And it's not quite ready, but it's close, and it's good. It's spicy. I didn't anticipate it being quite so spicy. You put black pepper and chipotles in it. I did. It's very <laughs> spicy. Um, so anyway, that's that's been my that's been another thing. So now I really will stop. Okay, so let's go on to uh, where's Nomad in your house still? Um, For the rest of time. We have made the decision um, because of the nature of our business, and even though Indiana is um, opening up in some ways, um, we have not been confident that. Um, for the nature of our business, there has been a decline in cases showing that we should be back out on the road. Basically, our truck is very, very small in the back, and so you cannot be six feet away from people inside of it because it's not six feet big. Yeah, we're very confined space, um, and we travel around a lot, so um, it would not be wisest for us to be um, out with our truck yet Um uh, for everybody to shop in in person um, so uh, we have made this decision until at least June at the start of June we will remain off the road it may be that we are well into July before we're back on the road um, in our normal uh, capacity or even further if we see a larger spike in cases in Indiana again yep our um, plan is to follow the um, WHO guidelines of two weeks in a row of declining cases before we go back out. Um, so we will be taking every precaution we can uh, to make sure that you are protected and our family is protected. Um, there's there's only the two of us who run the business. So if we get sick, uh, no major is not running at all. Um, so we will continue to have our online store, which is being even further upgraded. Um, so you can go and shop there. Um, when the real food shop is back open, um, as usual, we should be able to have our um, pickup location there. Um, if not, if you're very local to us um, and you're a regular, if you'd like to pick up from our mailbox, we are offering that to some people um, as an option if you're if you're super local and kind of know where we live already. Um, but that address and option is not up on the website. Um, we also have uh, some other cool things coming. So we are getting new stock in still. I just put in um, to our online store some really cool little kits from Universal called Rikarumi. Um, they make you little amigurumi um, animals and people. Um, they're crochet kits. They come with 100% cotton uh, mini skeins, um, some extra colors um, in smaller amounts. Plus, uh, you get a crochet hook and embroidery needle. Um, and basically everything you need to even package it up and send it on to somebody. Those are super cute. They're only 30 bucks. Um, there's a mermaid, there's a narwhal, um, there's a koala, there's a donkey. Um, we have nine different styles right now. There's a couple more that will be coming through um, when they're off back order. So those are really cool. I'll go and check those out. Um, we have just finished yesterday um, taking orders for our first festival season subscription box which was talked about in our last episode um the next one will be available from june 1st um the theme is going to be diversity um and we'll be featuring two um lgbtq owned businesses um that we've worked very closely with um in that and then there's a beautiful set of mini skeins which actually showed off on our facebook live today um that you'll be able to uh check out too um so that will be available from june 1st until june 21st um if you would like to go and check out festival season and what's going on that's on our, our website nomadjarnshop.com slash festival season festival dash season um you can find the information about that there and there is the option for six month subscription if you want to be surprised um and we are continuing to do our virtual craft clubs on a Tuesday. Are we going to keep doing that? Um, interest in that has wildly dropped off. So we may take a break and then come back 
Okay. Um, I will be continuing to do a Facebook Live once a week, normally on a Friday. Um, I did. Um, I skipped last week because we were doing all of the digital switchover. Um, and the week before was actually with uh, Plainfield Creatives for their second Saturday uh, virtual event. Um, so I was dyeing um, some silk scarves live on there. So if you check out the Plainfield Creatives page, um, you can see that there. Um, I might do some more demos on those in the future because people seem to enjoy that. Um, so yeah, we'll continue to do Facebook Lives. Um, we have some plans for doing some more virtual classes. We're doing those every couple of weeks now um, as we're getting more interest that way. So we're still doing lots of things digitally. You can still find all of our new online stuff going on, including festival season. Um, and then as things kind of open up a little bit more, we may be offering some local kind of uh, curbside pickup or limited hours with the truck, which will definitely require masking um, and we will be re restricting the number of people um, on the truck for everyone's safety when we do eventually go back out. Yep. Um, so we'll, so, we'll see you next week. We'll we'll try to get back to the once a week thing. And stay safe. Um, please do look after yourselves and um, everyone around you. Yep. And do lots of crafting. It helps. Okay. Happy crafting. Thanks for listening. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Ravelry, and our website, knowmyjarchop.com. And remember, in crafting and in life, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.